You're listening to Film School, the on-air, online source for independent film. Film that's changing the way we look at cinema and the world. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. Today we'll be speaking with Nash Edgerton, the director of The Square, an Australian neo-noir that twists around romance, extortion, and murder. It is the first feature film directorial project for Edgerton, who previously was one of the leading stuntmen in the Aussie film industry. You can listen to our talk with Nash Edgerton, as well as interviews with Noah Baumbach, Askel Wexler, Albert Mazels, John Turturro, Philip Glass, Frederick Weissman, and many, many more online at filmschoolradio.com. This is Guy Eddie and his friend Leonard. Whenever they're around, there's always something going on. There's never been this big. What, what are you talking about? Close your eyes. Keep them closed. There's 50 times that we have to take it, right? We have to take it. What? <laughs> you do it. One night when we're out and then we go, or I go, you follow later when it's safe. Uh, hang on, where did you get it from? Think about it. It's cash. It can't be decent. Which is why taking it is a bad idea. What if you ransack the place? I can't ransack your place. Well, then we get someone else to do it. Oh. <laughs> I know we can find someone like that. Well, well no, it's, it's not just that. It's just that, you know, I mean... You'd have to burn the place down if you, if you really wanted this money to disappear. Hey, I, I'm joking. I'm not. Carla. Ray, can't you see? This is, this is our chance. Carly, you're talking about a really serious crime. It's not like we would be hurting anybody. What? Carly, no. Escaping the monotony of a loveless marriage, Raymond Yale becomes entangled in an affair with the beautiful and troubled Carla. Ray's moral limits are tested when Carla presents him with the proceeds of her controlling husband's latest crime. There you go. This is their chance. Take the money and run. If only it were that simple. It's got the classic elements. You've yeah. got you've got bad guys on one side, and you've got people who believe that they're 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 in love. They want to do. They want to get. They want a new life. The seed is planted, and Ray, fearing he will lose his love, engineers the plan, hiring the professional arsonist Billy, becomes a fatal error. Now Billy is played by Joel Edgerton, and Nash's brother. And also uh, one of the writers of this film. Yeah. He worked on the script for a while, had the idea, had been germinating this idea since about 2000. Joel had. So what can I do for you? Well, I'm here on a little matter regarding Leonard Long. It's been four days since anyone's seen him. Really? I had a look about inside his place. Yeah, and any clues? Just that the guy likes porn. <laughs> but don't tell anyone. I... His work manifest says this was the last place he was on the job. Ordered a part for a tip truck. Yeah, he, um, he finished up here Christmas Eve. 
Um, it was a, an alternator. Anything I should know? Oh, not that I can think of at the moment, but um, uh, anything comes to mind, I'll let you know. Might ask around a few of the boys if that's okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Talk about dusting off police procedure. I feel kind of bad. It's nice to finally have stuff to do. Bit of a fire, bit of death, now this. In his new feature, The Square, our guest today, Nash Edgerton, presents a stylish and twist-filled film noir about an adulterous couple whose scheming leads to arson, blackmail, and murder. A suburban nightmare, The Square takes us on a journey to a place where what can go wrong does go wrong. Nash Edgerton, welcome to film school. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good. Uh, now, you're in, uh, are you in Santa Monica? I, we dialed a 310 here. Yeah, I, um, I, I live in West Hollywood. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, I was imagining you were living in uh, Australia. How long have you been in West Hollywood? Well, I mean, I'm living here at the moment. Yeah? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm from Sydney, Australia, but uh, I'm sort of here while traveling around promoting the film, and I kind of go back and forth a bit, you know. Yeah. Are you, are you enjoying your stay in West Hollywood? Yeah, so far, so good. Yeah. A lot of people are describing your film, The Square, as, as a film noir. And uh, we in the Los Angeles area like to consider this the capital of, of, of uh, darkness and film noir in a lot of ways. Do you think it's fair to represent The Square as a film noir? Yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's not as traditional as film noir, um, but, you know, it has a lot of noir elements to it. Yeah. You know, I kind of worked against a lot of conventions, you know, that I didn't... Uh, you know, I didn't want to make like the the girl like a typical femme fatale, and um, you know, I tried to do a lot of it during the day as well, just yeah. to show that you know things don't have to be in shadow to be to go bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's a certain quality even to the I, I want to say texture of the film. There is a, there's a darkness to what's going on. Did you uh, intend that? Did you talk to your cinematographer about uh, how you wanted that to look? Yeah, I definitely wanted to set up like this sense of dread, you know. Yeah. And um, and have it be kind of a little bit murky and messed up, you know. <laughs> I wanted that feeling of expectation that things are going to go bad. Yes. Now, now this is Brad Shield, your uh, director of photography. Did did yeah. he uh, do anything special to tweak the film, or did he, or was it the exposure? Was it uh, was it a lot we to do with him? Well, yeah, we shot on, we shot on Super Sixteen, okay, yeah, as well, which gives it that kind of feel. And I shot most most of my short films before I shot on Sixteen, and mm -hmm. I just liked the look of it, and I wanted to I wanted to carry that through into the film. Yeah, and then yeah, we used all practical lights as much as we could. You know, we hardly lit the film, like especially in the day, we didn't really use lights, and then. At night, like in the construction site and everything, we try to use as many practical lights as possible. It really looks beautiful. It's, it, it is a captivating film that way. And I read an interview where you're saying, too, is you, you wanted things not necessarily to look like they're from any place in particular. You wanted it just to be a, a common place where people could, could step into. Uh, is, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but is there a... a a method you went about in, in doing that? Is there something you tried to leave out or put into it to get that commonplace? 
Well, I guess I just wanted you know it to feel like it could be a small town anywhere in the world because the story is, you know, it's kind of universal. Um, you know, guy having an affair could happen in any place, and I guess I just went for not trying to show any specific landmarks that are specific to any any city in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, like the river, the bridge. You know, the suburbs, the houses. They could. They could sort of be in any part of any major city out of skirts, you know. Now, um, you and uh, your your brother collaborated on this film. Where did he get the idea? Was this something that he had been working on for a while? How did this script come into into being? It came out of his dark mind. He <laughs> <laughs> um, literally, like, he had the idea one night, and, like, I've still got the piece of paper he wrote the original idea on like it pretty much had everything that happens in that first time he, he wrote just the kind of sequence of events of what was going to happen to Ray and uh, he kind of wrote that and stuck it in a drawer he and I were working on something else and which wasn't kind of working out very well and at some point he just started writing this and and, uh, and when he felt like it was ready he said oh look I've been working on this other thing I think you should read it I just found it so compelling and such a page turner and I was yeah. just dying to know what was going to happen to Ray and yeah. and I was like yeah we've got to make this this is the one we have to make this was all going on about what seven years ago or so when this this yeah point I think the... when yeah when he when I first read it yeah it was probably six or seven years ago at one point in time though you you decided to really march forward with it and, and hand it off to another writer. Did uh, did your brother go along with that idea? Was was he the one that instigated that? No, it was me. I was he um, because he'd never written a film before, and mm-hmm. so like it had all these great ideas, but the structure wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. And and you know he was he was away. Uh, he was in Ireland acting in a film, and yeah, you know, he was really busy on that. And I said, look, I feel like it needs someone just to have a fresh approach to it. My producer was like, I don't know if you can do that. Ask a writer to like give it to someone else, and okay. I thought it's my brother. It's okay. Like he'll be okay with it, you know. <laughs> and um, and I just said, you know, like my attitude was, let's let someone have a go at it. And if we don't like what they do, then we've still got what we had. Like it's not like we're going to erase this draft or anything. Like my brother's very accommodating, and he was just like, yeah, let's just see what he does. And and, uh, and so this guy Matthew Dabner. Uh, who had been working as a script editor for us on something else, and then he did a pass, and it just it just gave it a fresh uh, feel to it, the way he restructured it, and then then that gave Joel another stepping point to you know, and then Joel did another pass at it, and then and, you know, and then they when they were in the same town, they started working together, and so it's like one you know they pass it back and forth, and then they actually started working together, and then then it really started to take a, a, a good shape, you know. Is there one point that really got restructured in it? Was there one uh, big cure for the script that uh, Dabner put into it? Or is was it just a little tweaking everywhere? Because it's a complicated story. There's so many characters yeah. and you know, and storylines. He just sort of helped Joel focus on building the tension that happens to Ray. And, yeah. um, you know, and the, the, like, the major restructuring really came when I was editing the film. Yeah, because on paper, like, it, it bounced back and forth between all the different characters, which was fine when you were reading it. But then when I was editing it, it felt like the more I bounced around, the the less tension there was. And so I found when I was cutting the film that I would stay with certain characters longer just to build the tension and that sense of dread. And yeah. so a lot of the, 
restructuring came then, and you know, I actually shot a lot more material than is in the finished film. And I didn't cut out because I didn't like the material. I just cut out because it, you know, like once you, you know, things started to go bad for Ray. Like the fact that he's having an affair is the least of his problems. So they had like a lot more, like story of him and his wife, and had more on Billy and Lily, the arsonist that he hires, and. You know, I felt like you wanted to not meet them until Ray meets them, and I felt like you don't want to, you don't need to see any more of him and his wife because the fact that he's cheating on his wife is the least of his problems. You know. Yeah, that ends up being, and I think this is a this is where a film it's the all the elements of a film that make it successful. Uh, in, and th- this is a good example of that. You have a lot of characters. You have a lot of different storylines. A lot of people, as you said, kind of bouncing in and out of the of the film. But it doesn't feel that way in the way that it unfolds, and I think it's it's a tribute to the writing, the filmmaking, but also the casting and the strength of the cast itself. Everyone is distinctive in the film. There's oh, there's, not, there's not much confusion as to who a certain character is when you're, they're introduced and as their storyline uh, progresses. So you know who they are. They're well established as characters. And the actors themselves are just uniformly very, very good in this film. I wanted to ask oh. you, are these people that you had worked with in the past? Did you have did you have a lot of confidence in your casting director? How did how did that part of the film come together for you? Yeah. A lot of the actors I I knew or I'd worked with before. Um the casting director, Kirsty McGregor, um, I had she'd cast all my short films and I'd known her for a long time and but we we basically just set out like I cast it in a certain order. I was like, okay, I got to find Ray first. Like once I find him, and then I will start casting the Carla. And mm-hmm. and I, every chance every chance I got, I would get the actors in the room together, like to audition. You know, once I found Carla, then I thought, then I can find her husband Smithy. I was never like casting parts and then trying to fit people together. I was always like. Let's cast, you know, the the main characters, and then let's cast their respective spouses, and then let's cast their spouses' friends, and yeah, uh, you know, so I was, you know, it wasn't like uh, okay, that person did the best audition. I was like, that person is best with that person, and I wanted to make sure everyone fitted in the same world and felt like they were in the same movie, and so I, it took a long time to sort of do that, and I felt it was important that everyone felt like they're in the same movie. Yeah. This is very Especially because I had so many casts. And, you know, and my brother writes, because, you know, my brother's an actor. He, he wrote every part, like, you know, as an actor would want to play them. And so we wanted to feel like you could have watched a movie of any of the characters. Well, speaking of your brother again, he he does play an arsonist. Did, did he want to be an arsonist? Are there arsonist <laughs> elements in his personality? <laughs> no, I think I'm probably more of a firebug than <laughs> Yeah, you know, he, he didn't write. He, he didn't write the film with any character specifically in mind for himself. Yeah. Like he, I think, he found it easier to just write the film and not think about that. And then it became evident when we were casting. I thought he was right for right to play Billy. Did Did he ever see himself as, as playing the part of someone else in the film when he was writing it, or did that come up in discussions? Oh, we used to joke that it would take us so long to get the film up that he'd be old enough to play Ray. By the <laughs> <time>. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, you said you were working against type with Noir. Now, obviously, you have uh, some affinity for it going into it. You must have watched uh, a lot of Noir films um, in your in growing up and, and as a film, like becoming a filmmaker. Are, are there certain directors or uh, that it's that you feel 
your style is uh, reflective of or influenced by? Let's say I was talking to Joel about it the other day. You know, a lot of the films have been referenced in reviews and things like Double Indemnity and Postman Always Rings Twice. And yeah. um, I actually haven't seen those films. Okay. And I was asking Joel that, but he had. I thought it was interesting that he'd seen a lot more noir than I had when he was writing it, and then I just came at it from really enjoying the script. And you know, like I'd seen Blood Simple and Fargo, and and but I like I'm a big you know, Paul Thomas Anderson fan, so I did a lot of, I guess, you know, I like Steadicam, and yeah. um, and I like the way he reveals things, and um, so I think there's elements to that, and I think a lot of time I'm just referencing how certain films made me feel, you know. There's a specific moment in the film where I know I'm like, I was trying to recreate how it felt when I saw Jaws, um, uh-huh. when, um, you know, when the guy's sneaking up the side of the house, uh, with the torch, you know, and there's a great moment in Jaws where when the guy's underwater with the torch looking um, in the, the the sunken boat yeah. and, uh, you know, the face appears. And so, yeah. um, so a lot of times I, I reference how my memory of how something made me feel and trying to recreate that feeling, you know. But I don't think I was ever, like, specific. I didn't really look at any specific noirs and go, OK, I've got to recreate that moment, you know, which is why it probably looked a lot different to most noir films. Yeah. We're speaking with Nash Edgerton. The film is The Square. You spoke about using the Steadicam. Are you in love with the Steadicam? Do you feel that that really gives more uh, immediacy to what you're doing? Yeah, I wouldn't sleep with a Steadicam. Yeah. But... Well, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, look, I do. Uh, um, you know, a lot of it, it came from, it's my first film, so it's, it's a smaller budget film, and yeah. I, I felt like I could do a lot more with that than I in the time I had, then if I was playing tracks and using dollies, and um, yeah, and also I couldn't afford a lot of that other equipment. But yeah, I do have an affinity with the steakhouse. Like I really, uh, like I like to feel when I'm making films. I like to make the audience feel like they're there and they're moving along with the characters. And that to me felt like the right device to do that. So you could be in there with Ray and what he's going through, and anyone else that you're sort of following in the film. And I really like it as a as a as a device, you know. One of, one of the things that I really appreciated about this film is that I knew very quickly in in the film, just based on the characters that you were introducing, just knowing just what they were about, uh, yeah. that you were in for quite a ride. And you, and you were, yeah, I just, I didn't, you didn't, you didn't really know that much about the story. You knew that obviously... Uh, Carla and Ray were, uh, you know, having an affair, and they were determined. She was certainly determined to make this thing move to the next level, and all of the commitments and all of that. But uh, it was just knowing, as you every time you introduced a new character, a new plot line, you could see all the possibilities unfolding, or and 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 it was just didn't look like it was going to go well at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, I have to ask you the in, in the theatrical release. I assume that Spider is also. It, it plays with the with the your square. short film spider the short, the short yeah. film spider right it, it does yeah it's on the front of every print of oh, the square. Oh, wow what a terrific short film yeah. and what a way to set up the, set up the feature film uh-huh. uh, with that one um, congratulations on that as well thanks yeah, yeah we really wanted to give a sense of what kind of film they're in for and what <laughs> kind of sense of humor I have and and I think you know it's you know it really sets up people for the film 
experience rather than like watching a bunch of ads before you see the movie. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you, want, to put, you want to put people a little off center as soon as even before the film starts. Yeah. Now, now I know no Mike is dying to ask you, so I'll just go ahead and ask. The uh, at near the end of the square, uh, when uh, I think Billy is in the hospital. No, raise, raise, raise the hospital. I'm sorry, the, yeah, the baby. I crossed yeah. my characters there. Raise in the hospital. Uh, there is a, a, a someone else in the hospital who walks by who has a, a patch over his eye. I assume yeah. that's that's our character from uh, from yeah, uh, Spider. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's nice, that, yeah, nicely I, done. <laughs> I, I like that quite a bit. I figured he had to go to. I figured he had to go to the emergency ward at some point. You know, uh, <laughs> this, this was the first chance for him to do it in one of my films. Yeah, yeah I, I love the way that you do use your special effects in these films. They're, they're not overdrawn. They're just in there to to add to to move the film along, to to bring the action out of the film rather than to impose some sort of superficial action on on it. And I, I appreciate that as a stuntman. How do you approach these scenes when when there's stunts involved? Do you, is there a certain formula you use? Well, yeah, I didn't want to. I don't want to do. I didn't want to do stunts just for the sake of doing stunts. Like I had to serve the story, and I think if you use action and effects in the right way, like they can be as much of a tension builder as the drama can. And um, so I just tried to base it all in reality within the world that I'd set up rather than going, okay, here's a spectacular angle for this. I was like, okay, what would it really look like? Yeah. You know, if you were there, what would it look like? And I thought the more real I could make it, the more tense it would be and the more emotionally engaging and effective it would be. Yeah. And so I was always facing it, you know, in, in some kind of reality and then trying to work backwards from that and going, okay, how can I achieve this? Um, and make it look realistic, and you know, like I guess my knowledge of having worked as someone had like, this, you know, the tools, you know, knowledge of the tools on how to approach it and achieve it. Well, now the the film was uh, you finished this in I believe two thousand and eight. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. And yep. Uh, what was that process? You, once it was done, did you do this uh, the film circuit, the film festival circuit at that point? Yeah, we premiered at the Sydney Film Festival, and um, we played a few festivals in Australia, and um, and then it was re it was released in Australia, and then Louise, uh, my producer, and I came out to America and started looking for a distributor here. Did you do the film? Did you do the film festivals here as well? Yeah, we we premiered at South by Southwest last year, and we had a great response there, and. Um, we played Seattle and Sydney Vegas, and um, and, it, and, it, uh, and it was well received all along, I assume. Yeah, yeah, it was always like you know, pretty early on. I got the sense, like when I'd play it with a crowd, like it really got a great reaction from an audience. Was there? Yeah, you know, they were always very vocal, and you could feel the tension in the room. And um, when I first came here, I started. I played it with Spider, and that's a distributor, Apparition Bob Burney, who um, is. You're releasing it here. Um, I think he responded so well to the, to Spider playing before, it, and he was like, hey, "When I release the film, I want I want to play Spider in front of it." So obviously, so there's this sort of two years of you getting getting to a point where it could be distributed here in America. Was there something about the film itself that was holding it up from being distributed? Because this is a very very good film. I mean, there's no reason in terms of its quality. Was there something about an audience that they were trying to build uh, a sort of or try no, to build it, a cam. Go ahead. It literally was when I showed it to when 
Bob saw it, um, you know, and we showed a bunch of distributors. He'd actually just left the company he was at, and so he didn't actually, Apparition wasn't even set up yet. Okay. You know, we had various people interested, but I, you know, like what I knew of him, I was like, he is the right guy to release our film, and I want to wait until he can <laughs> release it. Mm -hmm. And um, and so we basically held out until, you know, he actually had a company and a company name, and um so we were like talking to him for a long time until uh, it wasn't until now that it, you know, his company is sort of up and running. So I, I just was like, I, I'd rather wait until, you know, especially with an independent film with no, with an unknown director and no unknown actors in it. I felt like it had to be released by the right person who actually believed in the film in that way. And, um, and so, yeah, I just held out. Well, as much as the film, like I never changed the film. It's been the same. I was going to ask I you. I first showed it. Yeah, I was going to ask you. You haven't edited it since uh, the release in no, Australia, so. No, not at all. Now this is your first feature. Although you've worked on a lot of films, high prof, high profile films, uh, this is your first. What is it you've taken away? What is your What is the takeaway on this in terms of what you're? Are you working on something right now? Yeah, I'm writing something else with my brother. Okay. Um, you know, I want to make something bigger than Square. It's a, it's a different kind of film, but. Um, like, I, I like all kinds of films, so I'd yeah. like to, you know, keep sort of making bigger, different films. Right. Now, you could say of of The Square that it's it's following a downward spiral of its characters. Yeah. In, in, the, in the newer film, are, are you going to try and uplift us, or are you, are you going on another downward spiral? Yeah. No, no, I like, uh, you know, I'm not all about just taking people to the dark. No, <laughs> it's a great downward spiral. Yeah, this it, is such it, a well-done yeah. film. Yeah. This is really... Yeah. Well, now I, I we're. I have dark. I have, I have dark thoughts a lot of time, but yeah. like I don't always. You know, I don't like to impress <laughs> people all the time. Would you like to but go like, with it? It's the kind of film like. <laughs> I think it's like you set up an expectation that things are going to go bad. I really wanted to go there. Yeah. Know? Yeah. In the same way, if I was doing a romantic comedy and you set up this expectation that they're going to get together and everything's going to be wonderful, you you have to kind of take the audience there. It's all, and then it's just all about making sure the journey there is an engaging, entertaining one. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. That's the beauty of cinema. You set up a premise, I buy into the premise, and then you make that premise work to the best of your ability. That, yeah. to me, is the essence of a good film. I'll buy any premise. Exactly. If, you, if, you, if you do a good job of, of making it work, I'll buy any premise. I mean, how wow. many films have we watched yeah. in our lives that have absolutely nothing to do with reality or anything close to it, and we've gone, yeah. that's yeah. a great film. Well, you just put together a wonderful film, and I just hope oh, it's wildly you. successful. Yeah, well, it's, it's been uh, it's been great talking with you today. The film is The Square. Nash Edgerton, thanks for being a part of Film School. Yeah, thanks for having us. Right. For more information about Film School, upcoming guests, and archived interviews, go to filmschoolradio.com.